Uh, I know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? The Chris Johnston Show. What is going on? Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Part of the game. Before we get started on this Monday edition of the CJ Show, we'd like to take the time to address something that was said on our last Thursday episode of the CJ Show. Uh, It was a remark that was made that actually wasn't necessarily done in good taste, necessarily. We referred to, uh, I'm trying to remember the the quote exactly, but we used the term natives uh, in Edmonton going restless. And and, uh, someone on our Discord pointed it out and said that's not necessarily... Uh, the the term to use, the thing to say, and we when we both realized that uh, it was pointed out to us, we were actually pretty sorry about it. So we wanted to start off this episode by addressing it head on and just saying that we're sorry that it was said in our last episode, and we'll make sure that does not happen again. I know I didn't directly say it, but I could have caught it. So of course, you know, and plus it's a sh- we're, we're both doing the show together. We got to call ourselves out when we uh, know the time is right for us to be called out. Yeah, I said it. So I'm sorry, words words are definitely important. In this case, it was just one of those phrases that, you know, I, I didn't think about the the deeper meaning. And unfortunately, there's a lot of those, especially if you're older as I am, that um, things like that. And so I think it's a good opportunity to reflect on what you say. And I take ownership of that. And uh, I'm sorry for not uh, not choosing my words a little more, more clearly or, or appropriately. And we also appreciate uh, people on Discord just pointing that out and, and you know, accepting our apology. And I mean, I know I, I at least I, I saw that on, on Discord and I said, hey, we'll address that and we're sorry. And uh, the feedback, at least, was 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 nice, at least. Uh, but yeah, I, I, what I like about the Discord and the community that's there, very welcoming, very open to a lot of different people. And I think there's going to be times where we might mess up or other people will mess up and and we seem to be well-meaning people and we'll address that whenever that comes. We'll do our best to make sure that doesn't happen again. And, you know, we just want to be a welcome opening place. So I'm glad we were able to, I'm glad we were able to address that to start off the show. Uh, Another thing I want to address, uh, apparently last Monday's episode, when we were going through Ask CJ, I kept saying that uh, we were getting questions from Reddit. As far as I know, the Chris Johnston show does not have a Reddit uh, subreddit. I think that's how that works. I don't even really use Reddit all that much. I know our episodes get posted to the Steve Dangle Reddit, but uh, no, we do not have a Reddit. We have a Discord, which, by the way, you can go to sdpn.ca and check out our Discord. Okay, so we got the housekeeping out the way, CJ. Now we have to talk about uh, COVID because... That's basically what all we can really do at this point. I'm not going to get lost in trying to catch everybody up on who's on COVID protocol and who's which team is shutting down through Boxing Day. I'll get to the two teams that affect us the most because over the weekend it was announced for us. But I'm I'm interested in the Olympics to start off here. What I know the last few days you've mentioned the fact that uh, players, some of the big names have said, you know what, we still want to make the Olympics happen. But as, as we talk on, on Monday morning... With teams in shutdown through Boxing Day, I wonder where some of those guys' heads are at when it comes to the Olympics. Well, what's interesting is I'm not sure that, that the minds have changed of all the players in terms of desire to go. But, you know, with what we've seen unfold in the last four or five days, it's just got to the point where they can't go. And, you know, I think that the the number of games already postponed, I think the likelihood we're going to see more games postponed yet, you know, on the other side of the Christmas break or holiday break 
um, you know, it's just basically reached that critical threshold of the material amount of disruption to the NHL schedule, which will, you know, force the league to pull out of the Beijing games. You know, it's not been made official as we're recording this, but that's the full expectation of everyone I've talked to that, that that's where this is headed now. And, you know, it's, it's, it is too bad, but the reality is the NHL and the NHL players association, they're trying to save their season through all this. And, you know, I think we're up to 49 games postponed already. Um, that's as we're recording, I'm very confident, especially with the cross border travel concerns and, and potentially complications that we're going to see more than that uh, in the very near future. And so this is about trying to get the schedule in somewhere before the end of April so that the playoffs can start in May and Stanley cup can be awarded before we get to 2024 or whatever we're at. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's too bad. Cause you know, we talked a lot even through the fall, just about who would be on these teams. You know, I think the idea of seeing, you know, McDavid and, and Crosby on the same Olympic team, Austin Matthews for the U S I mean, there, there was, there was going to be a lot of compelling hockey elements of that, that tournament, but um, you know, we're just, we're just at a stage where they, I don't think they can go. And, and uh, the players thought the players didn't want to go ultimately. I mean, some individuals might not have, but you know, I just think that the the circumstances here aren't going to allow for it. Siege. I think it's the right move, man. I, look, just you're protecting the players from themselves about what's going on in the world and the cases going up. Like as, as disappointed as a lot of us hockey fans are going to be about the idea that we won't see NHL players at the Olympics, I, I think it's the right call here. Straight well, up. And, you know, if, if it there's happens, a, of course, if well, it's going to happen. I mean, if there's a silver right. lining in it is that they're they're not going right to the last second and pulling the plug. I mean, remember, there was that January 10th deadline uh, looming out there. I mean, this is still three weeks ahead of that. Um, you know, I guess it allows everyone to kind of move on with their lives because there's certainly players that were preparing to go or preparing their families for the possibility they'd be there. I'm sure there's a lot of anxiety around what happens if you go, even if you're boosted and double vaxxed and, you know, get a case and when can you come home and all that stuff. So, you know, I think it's going to bring some clarity. It's going to allow the NHL now to, to look at that three week window that was, you know, marked off for the Olympic break in February, see what can be done there in terms of maybe scheduling some games and, easing the backload now on the schedule. And so, yeah, I think sometimes when you have a big open question that hangs over everything that everyone talks about, and there's lots of meetings about, it can become stressful, you know, pretty quickly or that's, that's going to be moved past. And, you know, we can start charting forward to see, you know, I still think it's somewhat unclear if we can get an 82 game schedule. I um, mean, it's premature to say they can't, but that's, that's clearly going to be a significant challenge. And I think that's the entire focus of the league and then the players right now. Um, so if, well, not if, because I think we're going, we're growing off the fact that the NHL players are not going to go to the Olympics. So what's next for that? I saw a report going around over the weekend from your boy, Darren Dreger, that it doesn't look as if Canada might participate in the Spengler Cup, in the Spengler Cup either. So what does that mean for international participation for Canada, either at the Olympics or Spengler Cup or anything else going forward in the next few months? Well, all along, Hockey Canada has had an idea of sort of the Team Canada B uh, format, you know, they send a team to the Channel One Cup. It was called in Russia last week, um, and so you know they've gotten to look at some of those players. Um, you know, those are European-based pros that that participated in that tournament. It was going to be a similar type vibe um, with the Spengler Cup, with just more of the Canadians that are playing out of Switzerland at that tournament. And so I think that they have a handle on who else it might be. I mean, the question I don't have an answer to as we're recording this is. 
do those guys still want to go? I mean, I, I don't know how those, those players would feel about that opportunity um, being part of it or how, where hockey Canada is at. I think that they'll ever, will make every effort though to, to formulate a team primarily of European based professionals of Canadian heritage. I mean, similar, similar to what we saw in Pyeongchang, um, you know, Canada sent that kind of team in 2018 to the Olympics when the NHL wasn't involved. And so, you know, I, I don't know where every, each country's at. I mean, it's, it's actually easier, I think for a lot of the European countries because, you know, Sweden and Finland have their own domestic leagues, right? I mean, they have a pretty good handle on the players that would, would come there and, you know, who knows, maybe we'll see a scenario where some NHL players still want to go. I mean, I, I, that that's probably that I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit and thinking that way, but um, it's, it's possible that that's an issue that comes along here. But I mean, what's clear is we're not going to have what we would deem a best on best tournament, you know, pretty interesting. The last one of those was 2016 world cup, which is a long time ago in relative terms. And, you know, even that wasn't true best on best just because you had the team North America and the team Europe. I mean, it was, I, I liked it. I understand why they did that, but it wasn't, kind of what we had seen prior in those Olympic cycles. And so we're going to get to a stage here. I know they're going to try to do a world cup, you know, coming up somewhere, say in, in 2024 or so, but I mean, guys like McDavid and Matthews and Marner and all these players that have entered the league in the last five or six years, they're going to go like 10 years into their career potentially before they even truly get to represent their country at the senior level in a best on best event, which is, I mean, look, some of these circumstances are so far beyond anyone's control. I mean, it's not, that's not lobbying a criticism necessarily to anyone, but it's just a kind of a, a stark reality that best on best hockey is kind of withering away on the vine, you know, in this generation of player. That's in really interesting. And, and on top of that, there are some people, I mean, Steven Stamkos is prime example A of a guy who, as a result of all these changes happening, might not even get that opportunity to ever be in a best on best situation. Like management deciding he's not good enough to, for whatever reason, to make the tournament in 2010, an injury preventing him in 2014, uh, 2018. That's when we first start seeing the NHL players there with, with regards to his career. And now this, like, it's a tough deal for Steven Stamkos, who really wanted to go. Sure, and you could go down the list. I mean, you know, there's any number of players. You know, John Tavares kind of falls into that. I know he played in 2014, but but he suffered a significant injury before the medal round of that tournament. You know, Morgan Riley probably is making Team Canada. Like, where's he at in four years? I mean, the, the problem is some players, you know, are only probably suited to make the team in this exact moment where their careers have matured to the point where they're there. And then, you know, 2026 in sporting years is feels like a hundred years away. Um, so, you know, the, the good news is, is, is in the MOU that, that the league and the players sign, it, it is contemplated that they go in 2026. So if you're looking for that silver lining uh, again, or one of the other silver linings is, you know, I do think that they'll take a real run to go. And, you know, what was different this time too, Julian, I think that needs to be pointed out is this wasn't a case of the NHL and like the owners and the players fighting about this. I mean, they made a deal and I actually do believe that the, the league did what it could to, to see it through, to, to, to honor that commitment, to make sure the conditions were in place to go. It's just, look, like you might've made a big family trip for, for the Christmas holidays and all of a sudden you're canceling it and it's not your fault. It's just what's going on. I mean, I, I think it's, it's sort of an apples to apples comparison. You can make all the plans you want. You can do the work you can do, but you know, sometimes other things inter intervene and, and change your plans. And I think, you know, that, it's important to remember that here. This isn't, you know, this is a decision reached, I think, actually together. Um, just everyone recognizing there's, there's no other way. 
Uh, we're less than a week away from the World Juniors, and a lot of people like to kind of lump, you know, hey, the Olympics might not even be happening. What does that mean for the World Juniors, which are, like I said, they're less than a week from happening. Is there anything on that front, or are those expected to just go on? Well, there's high alert there, um, I'd say, just because of the, the amount of spread we're seeing everywhere. Um, you know, the, one of the, the benefits probably to that tournament is that the, the countries are already over here. Uh, largely, I believe. And so, you know, the fact everyone's traveled and quarantined, you know, I think they're able to set up a bubble-like setup as they had last year in Edmonton to, to have the World Junior Tournament. You know, I think that increases the likelihood that they're going to be able to pull this off. But, you know, I'm not I'm not sitting here on December 20th and making any predictions for you because, um, you know, as we've seen, things can change quite quickly. Like even when we taped our episode, you know, last week, it ended up being Tuesday instead of Monday. But a week ago at this time, there's a handful of guys in COVID-19 protocol in the NHL. Now there's over 100. I mean, that that happened very, very quickly. Um, you know, so I, I guess something similar could be possible for the World Junior Tournament. I know they've, they've cut back on the number of uh, pre-competition games they're having. You know, they're taking every effort, I think, to, to, to pull this off as seamlessly and as safely as possible. But you know, who's, who's to say, uh, I hope, I hope we get to see it. Uh, I like that tournament. I always enjoy it. I think we might need it a little bit more this year. Cause I don't know what else we'll be of on uh, our TV sets during this holiday season. And so uh, let's hope they can pull it off. I do think that they have a better chance cause they aren't traveling around the way the league, the NHL has to, to, to run its season, but you know, it's certainly not a sure thing. Uh, not to focus on a really minute part with regards to what's going on with COVID, but with regards to what's going to be on our TV sets, uh, during the holiday season, I don't know about you, but I'm trying to catch up on all the Marvel stuff. Uh, like uh, my sister started watching WandaVision. I watched Spider-Man over the weekend. I got to watch some of the other. Uh, I got to watch Loki. Uh, I'm trying to think of what else I might watch during the holiday season. This is the part of the episode. I'm going to try to make this a thing now where as we're going through a whole bunch of hockey stuff, there's like a break where it's just like, OK, we just let ourselves get distracted by some random topic. We did Christmas shopping last week. Let's talk about what we're going to watch on TV during the holidays, just for a few moments here. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I That's what I'm planning on doing during the holiday season. I mean, succession's done, apparently, so. Yeah, for the for the season. Yeah. Did you start Ted Lasso yet? Not season two. I haven't got to okay. it. Okay, get to season two, my man. So add, um, that, add that to the list. I don't know. I think some reading would be nice, too. Uh, I, I don't know how you found, like... A, Certainly during COVID, like I, I've followed the news a lot less than I used to, for sure. Like, you know, at a certain point, there's just a fatigue to how negative it is. And you're, you're trying to sort of just get through your, your days in the best headspace you can. Um, so I'm sure there'll be some, you know, even holiday movies. Like I, I'm, I don't mind watching some old Christmas movies and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, I mean, mostly I would say most of my sports viewing, most, most of my TV viewing is sports generally. Yeah. It feels like sports are grinding to a halt, so we're going to have to find some other things. That's actually very – yeah, that's true. I mean, I don't even know if we're going to have Christmas Day NBA games. I try to look forward to – it feels like it feels like the NFL. Like, I mean, they're trying not to postpone games, and all of a sudden they have games throughout the week. Like, we're going to have Tuesday night football this week. Yeah, I just noticed that because I'm in a fantasy football uh, playoff matchup right now, and, my, you know, one of the guys on the other team plays Tuesday. I'm like, Tuesday? <laughs> Can I tell you a really weird fantasy football thing? And then I'll go back to to other COVID-19 hockey questions. I have a very weird fantasy football thing I'm going through right now. Okay. So I have two teams in the playoffs. And in one league that I'm in, 
brace yourself for this. I am going up against a team whose fantasy football owner is deceased. That's heavy. Yes, it's it's very it's weird. It's the weirdest thing. Uh, it's a bit. Well, I'm of, sorry to bit, hear that. Yeah, it's 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 very unfortunate, but it is something that's kind of happening. But here's something else that's weird. He end they ended the season with like the second best team. So is I have a situation where it's like I'm first, and then like he they're in the eighth seed. Like they their team even in their passing ended up being one of the best teams in fantasy football that year. Can I ask you a question about this? Like, this is kind of weird. Yeah, go ahead. Like, how long ago did this person die? I want to say six weeks ago, at least. Then their final week of living. I mean, their son-in-law kind of took I was going to say, so who's, I was gonna say, who's setting the lineup was going to be my follow-up to whatever you answered here. So for context here, uh, this friend of mine set up a fantasy football league uh, a couple years ago. And they got me, a couple of their other friends in there, and their father-in-law. And their father-in-law over the last little while was suffering essentially from organ failure. And it got to a point where they ceded control of their team as they were getting as they were going through dialysis to their son-in-law. So he has his own team, but what he does with his father-in-law, uh, his team, he'll just adjust the lineups every now and then. He's not like going out getting new players or setting up trades or anything. He'll just make sure that the guys who are in the lineup are starting or actually playing. But in that person, Mr. Lewis, I'm just going to call him Mr. Lewis because that was his name, Tony. In their final week of living in the regular season, his team went up against mine and he beat mine. And then went on to the other side. This should be more sad. But I also think I mean, this, this is person, very dark. Like, I did not expect this turn in the pod. Here's the thing. Like, this should be more sad. But we got to celebrate his life. And, like, he he lived it to the fullest. Like, I'm not seeing this as a sad thing. Like, I, I still I see this as something that's just really peculiar and like there's a part of me that kind of wants him to like go far in the playoffs it just so happens that he's up against my team and i don't know if that'll happen and i understand maybe that's a little dark but it is just the weirdest thing that i've been going through in fantasy football this year and i don't think i'll ever experience anything weirder than that well i'm going up against scott burnside there's a big football uh pool that that involves the hockey writers and i got scott burnside in the playoffs right now and i'm looking pretty good as we're taping this okay at the very least uh i hopefully in my case i I win fantasy football but now you all know as we conclude the random break from covid talk in the middle of our podcast knowing why i'm going through the weirdest fantasy football circumstances Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay. Um, so again, I'm not going to try to update all the teams and players and protocol because that changes by the minute practically. But as we know right now, the Canadians and the Leafs, uh, they're not going to be doing anything through boxing day. Essentially, they've shut everything down. Uh, the Leafs have players in protocol. I mean, the Canadians added, uh, Arturi Lekkinen to protocol. They just had two guys get out of protocol themselves. I'm just curious, CJ, like now that the Leafs aren't going to do anything for the next week. Uh, and I know they're they're a big part of your your bread and butter here. Like, how does that affect your work schedule? I'm just not going to work. 
<laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I mean, unfortunately, uh, and, and it, it's fine because uh, I like this, but, you know, part of my job is to do this, cover what's going on in the league too, right? And so, you know, even though there aren't games being played, I guess what it means is I won't be going to any practices or games, but, you know, we're going to want a lot of coverage on the Olympic decision, how that came to be, you know, what the plans are to restart. You know, if this ends up being a longer pause or a longer pause for some teams, what does that mean? I mean, I, the, what I learned actually during the first go around or the first real wave of the pandemic is that the job, the job doesn't even end when there are no games. Like back in March and April and May of 2020, I, w- I was still working um, and there was a huge demand. I was working at Sportsnet at the time, but a huge demand for my bosses to cover like the shit, you know, how the bubble setup was coming into focus and what the plans were, how the playoffs were going to work, all that stuff. If you remember, everything has been done differently. Like it starts to feel normal after a while, but they had like that 2014 return to play in 2020. And we had the huge realignment last year and a different schedule. You know, I think some of those questions need to be asked again too, with, with, you know, the, the border travel issue is, are they, are they going to have to on the fly reorganize into a North division again? You know, I, I don't know the answer today, but I think, you know, that's a window into the kind of things that I'm going to now be pursuing instead of, you know, talking about the games maybe as much or, or some of the storylines that, that come out of the games. And so, you know, it never really ends, which is fine. I mean, it's it's good. This is uh, – it beats working for a living, right? So, um, <laughs> you know, but it, it does feel weird. I think the Leafs last played at home, I want to say December 11th. They had a home game on a Saturday night against Chicago. And then they went on a Western Canada road trip. They were out there for a week. They played one game, the, the game in Edmonton. You know, Calgary was postponed and Vancouver and Seattle – you know, they, they're supposed to have a game this on the 23rd, an afternoon game. It's actually become one of the neat things they do. The Leafs never play in the afternoon ever, except on December 23rd, the last few seasons, they've played an afternoon game right before the holiday break and had a bunch of kids in the building. And it's it's actually been a really cool thing. And like, it just kind of has a, you know, it's like the start of the sort of Christmas season feels like, you know, by that point, the kids are off school, so they're able to come. Uh, anyway, that's it. Sorry to see that that go. And then on the other side of the break, they play Columbus. They're scheduled the 27th on the road and then a home game against another American team. I'm like, are those games going to even be played? Like it really, anyway, I, it feels to me like this is going to be a longer pause. Like I, I could see, I know the league's going to do as much as it can. So it might not be a total pause for the league, but I'm just not sure how they're going to, maybe they rescheduled. So the Canadian team just play each other for a short period of time on the other side of Christmas, try to re redo things that way. Um, needless to say, I think that there's a lot of unanswered questions about how the NHL is going to go forward, Julian. And so that's, that's, what's going to take up my, my workspace, but, you know, hope to get a few quiet days, you know, around the 25th and, you know, cause what else can you do at this time? You gotta, you gotta try to find, uh, try to find the good things where you can. CJ, um, you kind of mentioned something that has my job, my, my mind jogging a little bit here. Uh, Canadian teams possibly playing against each other. Are we, could we get like a mini Canadian division all over again? I would say it's possible. It really depends on what kind of measures the government brings into effect here. Right. And, and how long this goes for, like, that's the one thing I haven't been able to get my mind around. I mean, we're seeing the, the, the variant spread like wildfire, obviously we can just take it through the NHL lens. You know, we went from a very small percentage of the league on COVID protocol to 10% in days and and it could still reach more you know obviously that's partly why we've seen seven or eight teams shut down already is just keeping those those play those teams where there's been an outbreak completely apart to try to minimize you know how much that that spreads happens among those teams but 
you know, if it goes on for another month and you can't travel across the border and yeah, I, I don't look, what else do you do? Maybe you just have those teams play all their games with each other now and then reschedule the games against the American teams, hopefully for, you know, closer to the spring when you expect things to be better. I mean, I, I have to think everything's on the table. Um, you know, sports have been reimagined during this whole two year period or 21 month period. Um, you know, just, just the way everything's been done. Like we have no normal calendar anymore. Right. We have no everything. It was almost like you could set your watch to the sporting calendar. If you were a big enough sports nerd in the, in the, like you knew like which week, like the NCAA tournament starts and this is going on and this is going on. And then the masters happens and like, like it, but all that has been turned upside down. And so, you know, I think the NHL's really prided itself on switching things up on the fly. And so it's probably a little premature to say that's going to happen, but I, I, you can't say it won't happen. Okay. Uh, I'm going to break the rule again and try to just add another distraction here only because you said masters. And this is just going to come just before the last question I have to do with COVID. But because you mentioned golf, I'm, I assume you watched Tiger Woods and Charlie over the weekend. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I, How I cool was that. that? How cool was that? It was what we need at times like this. If you can be in it, like, you don't even have to be a golf fan to see kind of the pride that the Tiger has for Charlie. I mean, I think what's cool is like Charlie Woods is 12, right? And who knows what's yeah. going to, this is a danger. And and I was tweeted about him like, cause I was excited and it was fun to watch, but like, you really don't want to hype up anything cause things can change. But like, he looks like he loves it. Like, it's not just that he's good at it. Like he's, like if he was feeling any pressure, did you get any sense of that? Like the, the, he hit that shot on 17, like where he went over the water. It's like 170 yards. He's a 12 year old. He just like carves an iron into five feet. Like when they're like right at the lead and like he does the whole club twirl, like, man, it was, it was awesome. Like it was hilarious to see cause tiger didn't look like he was taking it that seriously, really naturally, <laughs> yeah. but like his kid was like adopting the game face for them. Right. Like tiger just looked like he was having fun. And and just sort of enjoying the experience of it all. And then Charlie looked like he was like, come on, dad, we got to win this thing. Um, so, yeah, that was I mean, that was wholesome content. It was a lot of fun. You know, Charlie's got eight years now to win the Masters at an age younger than Tiger won in 1997. So, you know, if he based on what you're seeing, like if he just continues to love the sport and work at it, it's it's hard to imagine given his bloodlines and given how good he already is that that he won't at least find some kind of professional career in it. Man, I just like just seeing all the memes and all the, the the videos online and stuff like I think Tiger Woods is one of the best athletes we've ever seen. But so to see like one of his kids like take up after him, I'm just like the world of pressure that's going to follow this kid. And he looked like he he just looked like it was just nothing for him out there. And he's 12. I didn't know he was 12, 12, bud. like it's insane. You know, oh I played golf God. when I was 12 and I tell you, I still haven't hit a shot like the one he hit on 17 <laughs> all these years later. So like, that was insane. Like under it's, the, again, in the yeah. moment is what the cool part is like, cause they're like for him, there has to be some degree of pressure there. Like I know the rest of us view this, like it's a father son tournament. It's, it's just a fun thing that the PJ tour does every year uh, in December, you know, just kind of, it's a cool event. Like it's actually neat to see like Justin Thomas with his dad, but then some of the players with their younger, you know, children. Um, and so, but if you're Charlie Woods, like you probably have been excited about that for months since whenever you knew you were going to play and then you get there and you guys make 11 birdies in a row, you got a chance to win. And he's like hitting all these shots. Like anyway, that was, uh, that, you know, it's, it's a good reminder that sports 
outside of the business part sometimes like there's still like those those nice it was a nice i just thought it was nice and you, he looked like he had so much fun seeing them hug afterwards like it didn't matter they didn't win in the end like it was just it was a cool event and um yeah i think something we'll all remember especially if he goes on and becomes what it looks to me like he's on the way to doing i have one final COVID question and then i have a paul maurice question and then we have questions for Ask CJ. So I'm going to try to be as organized as I can to get through these next three things. The Perfect. COVID question I have is with regards to testing. Uh, in the NFL, it looks as if they're going to try to see to it that they're only going to test symptomatic people. And I think there are some NHLers who may want to, may want that changed as well. I think Steve Eiserman had some words to say along the subject over the weekend as well. Do you see the NHL changing that? I don't because... You know, first of all, the, the difference here is it's a two two government league, right? And so yes. I, I can't imagine the Canadian government being okay with that, just given the, the approach the government's taken. And so I and I'm not saying the NHL would want to anyway, but like I, I just don't even think they can have a deep conversation on it because it, it just to me is not going to be possible given the jurisdictions where they play. Um, you know, just because you're asymptomatic doesn't mean you can't spread the virus, right? I mean, that that's that's this is about Look, the NHL is a business. I get that they're trying to play the games to restore their business. Like we've been through that, but you know, they also have a greater debt owed to the public. And so, you know, if they're going to be able to travel around and do things that maybe at some point here, if restrictions come in, we all can't do as, you know, average citizens, you know, I think that they, they have to uphold a certain standard. So, you know, I don't think you'll see that in the NHL, you know, the NFL is at a different point here too. Like the NFL isn't traveling around as much just by the nature of one game a week. We're, we're getting to the, the finish, the close of the season. So that, I mean, they're, I think they're in a, a different place and, and certainly they play in the U S where in a lot of places in the States, COVID isn't happening because they're not testing anybody or like relatively, like you don't see as many cases in Florida because people aren't getting tested in Florida at the rate they are in Quebec or, or Ontario by per capita. So, um, yeah, the NFL can do that. I don't think it's a, a realistic thing for the NHL. Okay, so we've gotten through all the COVID stuff. Unless there's anything I'm missing in terms of news and notes uh, that I did not get to, because otherwise no. I'm just going to go straight. To we Paul we probably already like made everyone suitably depressed. So let's let's move along. Okay, so Paul Maurice uh, over the weekend, well, just before this past weekend, announced his resignation from the Winnipeg Jets. He was there for quite some time. This is a guy who he was like super young in his coaching career. He's already he had already been to a Stanley Cup final, and now he's just chilling. And a lot of uh, media members had a lot of nice things to say about him. I'm just curious if you had anything, uh, any insight on on Paul Maurice and uh, his legacy as a coach with the Winnipeg Jets and other stuff. Well, just, just an absolute gentleman. Anytime I encountered him over the years, which was a lot uh, because I coached in the league through my entire career. You know, what's amazing about Paul Maurice is he's sixth all-time in NHL games coached, and he's 54. That, like That's so young. Like, you know, it's because he started at 29 and has more or less been there straight. I know he had a, a brief sojourn in the American Hockey League. He spent one year in the KHL after he coached the Toronto Maple Leafs. But other than that, I mean, he's basically had a – more or less, you know, 23 of the last 26 years or whatever it's been, he's been an NHL head coach. Um, you know, what stood out to me too is sort of the amount of self-awareness, the humility he showed while, you know, discussing his departure and his, his reasons for it. You know, he didn't get deep into the weeds, but, you know, he pretty clearly alluded to some some mental health or burnout challenges, fatigue, whatever, however you want to frame it. I, you know, I don't certainly don't want to speak for him on that. But, 
you know, he, he didn't hide from the fact that he's found it harder to do his job the last two years. And that that was a contributing factor to wanting to step aside that just knowing somewhere deep inside himself, he didn't have the same passion to, to be great at it or put the extra work in or whatever it is, you know, he wasn't finding the same satisfaction from it. Uh, and, and, you know, I think that that's a brave thing to say, you know, five years ago, I don't think you, you hear anyone leave their job under those circumstances around the NHL. And so no way. I, I do see it as another marker of kind of progress or, or acceptance of, you know, the fact that, um, you know, there's a lot that goes into what we do. It's, it's not just a stiff upper lip trudge on, and, you know, I thought he showed a lot of bravery in doing it, frankly. And and so, you know, he was uh, everything you ever saw in a clip of Paul Maurice is like how he was like just a dry sense of humor seemed to kind of revel in it. What's interesting is, you know, I've heard that he actually doesn't like the the front facing part of his job. Like he didn't find it as natural as it would seem like he he almost had to work himself up to that, which you, you'd never really guess. Right. Because, you know, he's he's a quote machine, very thoughtful guy very respectful of the job the reporters are doing and not, not one to lash out back. I'm sure he's had his moments over the years, but in general, when you, when you consider the percentage of questions he's faced and the percentage of time he's given just nothing but a class answer, it's a really high percent. And so, yeah, I'm kind of happy to see him go on his own terms, even without fully knowing what he's dealing with. And I'm telling you, I got the impression, Julian, that, that he's done um, as as an NHL head coach, just, Look, it, nobody has a crystal ball. Like he said, he doesn't even know. But the way he was speaking, I mean, I, I suppose there's a world he goes away for a while and he sort of settles into something looking like retirement. He goes, hey, wait a minute. I missed this too much. And maybe goes that love. Fishing. Maybe, yeah, it goes fishing. Maybe the love comes back and maybe those, the, the things that he was missing these last few years are reborn. But, you know, it just wouldn't surprise me if this is the end of the road for him as a head coach. And, and you know, what's interesting about that, right, is we've just seen Bruce Boudreaux hired in Vancouver. He's like 13 years older. Um, like, so, so theoretically there was a world if Paul Murray still wanted to chase it where I don't think he could still be coaching for quite, quite some time beyond now. Um, but I hope that the break is what he needs. You know, I, I like the hopeful notice he, he sat there saying like, it was a great day for him and the jets today was hired and it's a great day for him and the jets today. He's, he's moving on because you know, the end is a new beginning too. And, and so the jets can, you know, move on to a different coach and, and, you know, get to that level that, that Paul spoke of in his press conference that, that they need to, that he wasn't able to push them to. And, you know, I think for him, obviously this has been some kind of burden or stress or however you want to frame it. Um, and, and he's now free of that and, and can, you know, explore some other aspects of his own life. So do you didn't get any sense at all that uh, maybe the jets, on their end, maybe wanted to move on from Paul Maurice too. I know some people were a little bit skeptical on that front. Absolutely not. Like not even remotely do I think that was the case. In fact, I think that the discussions they had last summer in some ways was convincing Paul he was still the right guy to coach the team. Like I I think that it was at least in the back of his mind last summer to not return for this season. You know, he mentioned that he sees, you know, his general manager, Kevin Chevel day off, go out and get a couple defensemen, you know, address needs the team had with the, the trade for Nate Schmidt and getting Brennan Dillon. You know, you, you get excited as a coach because you believe you've got a good team and now you, you've, you've got a little bit more to work with. Um, but, you know, they've also been dealing kind of quietly, maybe from a national perspective with another issue, Jamie Compon, their assistant coach, his, his wife uh, has been battling cancer and so he'd been away from the team all year. And I, you know, I, I think that everyone asked about the timing of Paul Maurice, like why he, he stepped down on a game day, you know, this close to the holiday break, all those things. Well, part of it was that Jamie Compon was, was able to rejoin their coaching staff that day. 
um, because his wife's health is in a position that allowed him to do so. And and so I think he was waiting for the, I think he was trying to do his right by the jets as he could and waiting for the moment where they had, you know, someone else there to, to, to take on the load and, and do the job. And so, yeah, I don't, I don't sense at all that he was pushed out. I, you know, look at coaches almost always get fired. There's, there would be nothing precluding the jets from firing him if that's what they wanted to do. I, you know, I really believe this is really just the, it's been a long process of talking through all the issues and things going on. And, and they, they, this is how it finally played out in a way that was satisfactory to everyone involved. Last question on Paul Maurice. Do you have any memorable moments of any zingers from him or any quotes he was able to give you or any other personal stories you have with him and your dealings with him as a reporter? It's not so much personal, but I remember when he became a star and it was a 2002 playoffs when Carolina went on a surprising run to the cup final Mm-hmm. And they played the Leafs in the third round in the Eastern Conference final. And, and you know, to set the stage for this, like this was a time when you didn't see every interview everywhere. There's no social media. And so like Paul Maurice had been in the NHL and I'm sure people are aware of him. But, you know, in that moment, he was in the final four and he was in Toronto. And he was getting a lot of Canadian media attention. And I just remember him owning the podium, like literally, <laughs> like every day. It was just, um, you know, quite an experience to see him, you know, take charge and and the way he kind of had fun with it. I mean, I, that stands out in my memory that that was actually just at the start of my career. Like, so I didn't have any, I was, I was aware of it. I was on the periphery. I, I, I certainly recall it quite vividly, but I, you know, it wasn't like he was, I don't who I probably wasn't asking questions and I was probably too scared. So um, certainly at the podium. So it, that, that stands out in my mind. You know, I remember in Regina and uh, there was an outdoor game there who October, 2019. I want to say it was, um, I was out there for hockey night. We did, we did our headline segment, uh, from Regina, from the, the, the building. And, and the morning of, he did like a seminar and then he pulled a couple of us aside and, you know, in a hotel room and, in, in, or the conference room in a hotel in Regina. And I just remember just like, just how warm he is, how good he is, how, you know, open he was to the media. You know, you, you come to appreciate that because let's face it, like we can't do our jobs to a certain degree without people telling us things. Yeah. Uh, we can't do them as well as we'd like to. And, and, I just always found him so warm and respectful. And and so I will say that's probably my lasting memory of Paul. You know, there's other coaches like that, uh, but he was, he was in the gold standard side of it. He was at the, he was at the top end in terms of how he dealt with the reporters and, and that aspect of his job and being someone who's been a reporter for a long chunk of his career. I, I can say, I appreciate that. All the best to Paul Maurice in whatever is next. And with that, we get to the segment that uh, powers our show every Monday. Every time we do it, ask CJ. He uh, sent out the call just before the weekend asking for your wonderful questions, which came through on Twitter and on Discord. And we're going to get to them. Yeah, I tried to push Uh, for some different ones because I figured, you know, we don't need any more COVID talk or anything like that. I promise there are. Oh, yeah, there's like one COVID question that I think I'm just going to leave then again, I mean, it has like LTIR stuff. It's a Leafs thing, too. A lot of Leafs fans are wondering about Mitch Marner sure. being on. You want me to talk? How about this? So there's like that question. And then there's like a uh, an Islanders report rumor. And then all the other ones are fun. I'm going to tackle the the work stuff and then the more fun stuff after. There's more fun stuff. Trust me. Yeah. Let's start with serious and go to fun because I, I need to yeah. turn my brain off at some point here. Cool. Uh, This is from C-Norms on Discord. My understanding is a player must miss 10 games in 24 days when placed on long-term injured reserve. 
Is there any consideration from the league to change the 10 games rule or count canceled games with the extended COVID breaks we're starting to see? At the rate, Leafs games have been canceled this week. To meet 10 games, it will be much longer than expected to see Mitch Marner play again. And I'm sure there are other players around the league in similar situations. As of now, no. So as of now, you still have to miss at least 10 games in at least 24 days. And so the 24 days in Mitch Marner's case is not going to be an issue because he's going to be there long before the Leafs get to their 10th game since he, he's his absence. But, you know, unless there's a future change to the rules, Julian, you're, you're going to have to miss 10 games. And so Marner's out longer term. You know, it's it's tough for the Leafs in a sense, but like also when you think about it, when they put him on there, they did it with the, knowing, with the knowledge he had to miss 10 games. So they were expecting to play at least 10 games without him. And that's still going to be the case. And and in the meantime, it gives Mitch uh, more time to heal up and get healthy. And so, you know, I think that that's a fair outcome. And I'd be surprised if the league did change its stance on, on that particular rule. Next question from Zach on Discord. Uh, there was a report from a reporter at the fourth period mentioning that the Islanders were interested in Jacob Chitrin in Arizona and Patrick Line in Columbus. Any update? Not specifically. <clears throat> I know that Jacob Chickren's name is, has garnered a lot. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> need to clear my throat. I know that oh, uh, Jacob Chickren's uh, name has Chikrin. garnered a lot. Chickren's name has garnered a lot of interest around the league. Um, it's going to take a lot to get him. I mean, we're talking about a young defenseman signed at a very manageable cap hit. And, you know, we've seen how the Coyotes have been doing business. I mean, they have more draft picks than anyone right now. And so they're going to want more of those type of futures. But, um, you know, I could see a move. You know, Line is a different circumstance. You know, that might be a little premature. He needs a new deal at the end of the year. He's a restricted free agent for one more year. You know, he's just gone through the loss of his father, uh, who died unexpectedly in Finland and has been away from the Blue Jackets for a time. I know he's rejoined the team. But, you know, I, I don't sense he's as close to being moved necessarily. Uh, but Chikrin's certainly out there and available if someone's willing to to back a dump truck full of future assets up to to Bill Armstrong's house for Christmas. <clears throat> so to the next question from SDPN Memes for CJ and Julian, what's a memorable Christmas gift that you've received? I've got a couple. Uh, okay. I remember getting the original Nintendo when I was a young kid, but like really wanting it. And getting it and then literally like plugging it in and playing for the next four straight days without sleeping or eating or showering, probably. But I was six <laughs> or whatever. So don't don't judge. Uh, and then hockey wise, I got a Easton aluminum stick that Wayne Gretzky was rocking back in the days after he went to the Kings. And that was a pretty treasured uh, possession that I, you know, I was able to, I, I used it in my own hockey games, of course. I got a Doug Gilmore jersey back in the day, too, that I remember was you know, in my Leafs fandom years, um, probably around that 93 run, it might have been 92 or 93 or 94, but somewhere in that period, I got a Doug Gilmore jersey, and that, that was uh, that was pretty exciting for me, too. Man, uh, I was trying to think about this a lot in terms of, like, memorable Christmas gifts. Like, not to say I never got any, like, memorable Christmas gifts. I try to just think more of just, like, all the memories that are associated with that. Uh, I remember like one year, like I want to say 2013 or 2012, a bit of a long story here, but, uh, we, I have an uncle who like lived in the state, who well, still lives in the States, but like my family had no clue where he was for the better part of like 15 years. And, like my grandfather, uh, as a kind of like, we kind of didn't take him seriously. He was like, go on Facebook and find him. He kept telling me and my, and my siblings to go look for him. And we're like, you can't just find people on Facebook. 
And lo and behold, we found him. Like we found him on year. Facebook. We found him on Facebook. And then uh, in 2012 for Christmas that year, he came up and like that was the first time I ever got to meet him. That was the first time he got to see his like dad in like over like a decade. And like it was one of the coolest things just to see like a long lost family member like just back among us. Like that was that's better than any Christmas present I could ever receive in my life. Wow, you gave a much more wholesome answer than me. I'm like, I asked for these big things I never thought I'd get, and I got them. <laughs> it's better than me being like, hey, thanks for the iPod touch I got. Uh, which, funny enough, my uncle uh, my uncle Alton actually, uh, well, I call him Uncle Junior, actually. Uh, he gave me that that Christmas. But also, um, yeah, I can't think of any, by comparison to that, like definitely not really. Actually, um this is, I think, two years ago, my ex got me a Homer Simpson onesie that I still wear every now and again. That is really, that is really funny. I bet mean, anyway. SDPN memes would love to get their hands on a picture of that. Oh, um, I, you know, do I want to put myself in that position? I don't know. Anyway, uh, from Mark Shag, I, I, I'm sorry if I'm not getting this guy's name right. I know he covers the Columbus Blue Jackets for the hockey writers. Um, you and Julian McKenzie list the top five things to do when your team is not playing hockey and you are looking to pass the extra free time. Top five things you like to do when your NHL team is not playing. If you need time to think, I can list off a few names. Uh, what do you think? Well, I'll, I'll stay on brand. I'll say go for a run. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. I'll say watch Succession. Watch, Watch some TV. Successions. Yes. Succession is just my drug of choice on TV. Um, read a book, which is something mm. I'm telling you I'm going to, I haven't read a book in a while. And Me so too. I want to get back to that. I got a couple on my nightstand ready to go. Let's hold uh, these, let's hold ourselves accountable to making sure we read more in the next, like just, just read more. That's a good idea. Right. I'm going to say phone a friend. That's we should idea. all tell people what we think of them and that we appreciate them and that we're, we're there because life gets busy and time flies and you don't do that. And number five would probably just be relax and have a beer or something. Just chill out. Cause you know, we, we can't, we can't figure out everything all at once. When, when times get really complicated, you just gotta stay in the moment and be good to yourself, give yourself some grace and whatever, whatever you do to relax, you know, that that's something I do to relax at the end of a tough day. For me, uh, I play my Nintendo Switch. It was a birthday present for myself earlier this year, and I just lose myself in playing either FIFA or Tony Hawk Pro Skater or Animal Crossing, uh, Rocket League. Shout out to everyone on the SDPN Discord who actually play. They, they have like a club they've set up for Rocket League. I'm trying to get involved in that during the holiday. So that's definitely one thing I do. Uh, I watch The Bachelorette with my sisters. Um, when the Canadians are not playing, uh, we all come together. We watch those episodes live. And I know some people are like, oh, it's The Bachelor, Bachelorette. It's such a ridiculous premise. I don't know if you've ever seen an episode of it. It's a ridiculous premise where all these people are trying to find love uh, with this one bachelor or bachelorette uh, over the course of how many weeks. It is ridiculous. It is sometimes over the top. And sometimes, depending on who the Bachelor or the Bachelorette is, you get into really deeper conversations within yourself about love and 
I'm not even going to get into all that, but it's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be mindless. It's supposed to be ridiculous. So that's definitely on my list. How often do uh, they like how often do they find the love and like stay together and all that? Uh, <laughs> so more often than not, during the course of the show, uh, you'll see like, OK, it comes down to one person and the bachelor, or the bachelorette, and they pick them and all that. But I think more often than not, they don't stay together. But what Got happens? It. But what happens a bit too is, uh, and I'm starting to notice this more and more. You're starting to see people who didn't necessarily win the competition, but they end up dating people who were on other seasons. So they end up finding love that way. And on top of that, they have. Uh, it's like they share this really weird yeah. experience of searching for love, and it's like they they understand the challenge of that or something. That's exactly it. Uh, but yeah, uh, so I mentioned playing Switch, watching Bachelor, Bachelorette, when it with my sister just hanging out, uh, watching Criminal Minds, uh, cooking. I've, I've, I'm trying to do a lot more cooking uh, throughout the pandemic. And number five, I just trying to hang out with friends whenever I can, whenever it's safe, obviously, you know, or, you know, obviously just getting to be around your friends and family, just in any case, that's a good way to do it. Anyway, uh, I know we're running a bit long with the questions, but um from Todd McCallum on Twitter, at any point in time, did you think to yourself, wow, Elliot Friedman's COVID beard may be more awesome than mine? Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> because remember when the, the pandemic started, like we were doing a lot of Zooms, like we even did, we did a Zoom on a Saturday night with everyone who was on hockey night, like during that time in March or maybe it might have been April of 2020. And Elliot already had that beard coming in. Like we just had a social Zoom with a drink or whatever and we're catching up, but He'd are, I, I saw that thing coming in from a mile away because we were doing hits back then. So even though I wasn't physically in the same room with him. And so, yeah, I recognized it was awesome. It did get to a point where I was like, dude, you got to cut that though. Like, like I thought, I thought he, I thought he hung on to it a little bit long. Um, but I love that he grew it. One thing I, I really love about Elliot and, and I don't know what the impression of him is out there, but he's, he's really, he's really good at laughing at himself. Like he, he doesn't mind making himself kind of the punchline of a joke and have fun at, you know, like when he wore a turtleneck and everyone went nuts and there's all these memes <laughs> and stuff like, like he, he, he doesn't take himself too seriously ultimately. And that's what makes him, I think it, it partly makes him a good friend. It's just, you want to be around someone like that. And so, yeah, his, his, I couldn't grow that if I tried, like, let's, let's just call it as it is. Like I, I actually do trim my facial hair, but if I didn't, it would, it would take me five years to get anything close to what he did in like five minutes during the, the pandemic. Oh my God. Uh, from Avery, our good friend Avery on Twitter. <clears throat> I have to clear my throat too. Hey, first Avery. time caller, uh, first time caller, long time listener for the NHL All Star Game for a new element. How about bringing in non league teams to play, i.e., Team Canada and Team USA's women's teams involved in the tournament to play against the NHL divisions in Vegas? Canada versus Pacific Division. I need. It's not a bad idea. I mean, look, we're we're, we're only one step away from that. Because in St. Louis, the last NHL All-Star game, uh, just prior to the pandemic kicking in, in early 2020, you know, they had the Canadian and women's teams there. They played each other as part of it and, and participated in some of the skills competition events. But all you're asking is to go one step further. You know, there, there might be some sort of insurance related issues or something to do with that. But, you know, to me, there's no there's no there's no hurdle that couldn't be overcome, I suppose. And. I think that would be a heck of a lot of fun. And Avery, I think you're onto something. Like I, to me, that seems like a natural evolution of 
you know, a game that is always changing, you know, sort of exactly how it works in the weekend. Like they, they, they do like to mix it up. And, and the fact that we've gotten to a point where the women were already involved in the last one, I mean, probably going to be a little too soon to see something like that in Vegas, assuming the, the all-star game goes ahead there at the start of February. But, um, you know, I, I could see that in the future and I think you should keep beating the drum for it, bud. Sometimes his Peter Pan fedora hat isn't set on too tight on that boy's head. There's some deep thoughts uh, happening under that hat. Oh, for sure. Um, from Leafy TV on Twitter. Hey, King CJ. King CJ. Uh, I saw two of lar- those King CJs. I like that. Well, I mean, you, know, I mean you, you use a king, my brother. Uh, what's the largest animal you think you could take in hand-to-hand combat? A hypothetical MMA or wrestling match, whichever your preference. Thanks for the content. And Merry Christmas to you and Julian McKenzie. Also, to Papa CJ for asking about Jeff Carter. <laughs> It's funny. This one made it into inside the NHL this week in the Toronto star. Um, and what I I'll stick to my same answer there. I'm a lover, not a fighter. I'm realistic about how I would handle this kind of, uh, challenge task. And so I don't know if I could handle anything more than a hamster. If I'm being honest, like even a big, (laughs) even a big dog could probably take me. So, uh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna come out here and pretend to be tough. So I got the hamster and hand to hand comment, but after that, I'm, I'm uh, you're going to need to tag my my much stronger friend Julian in to take on the fight. Hell no. Nah. <laughs> I ain't doing that shit. You crazy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no way. Um, someone asked a question specifically for me, uh, which doesn't always happen. So I'll just read it. Uh, a cartoon Jimbo. Jay, I've got a suggestion for cold brew in Montreal. I need my sweet iced liquid to survive while there. I I don't really drink coffee or cold brews all that much. Okay. So you added a question that was just for you and you didn't even come up with an answer? But. I hope you phone but, a friend or something. You got to get an answer. But one of my uh, best friends is a coffee nerd. So I did actually ask him for suggestions. I did okay. come prepared, CJ. Um, so, uh, my good buddy, uh, for those who have followed me for a long time, uh, Tristan Damol, uh, we had a podcast together called the, uh, the scrum podcast. And, uh, yes, the, the very last podcast episode we ever had CJ was the guest on it. Uh, in terms of the, uh, listings that he provided, uh, pack bowl, uh, that's spelled P A Q U E B O T. They have a nice cold brew. I'm just reading off messages directly from him. They also have this thing called a nitro brew, which has nitrogen in it. And I, I love those nitro not. brews. It's like having a Guinness, apparently. Yeah, Compass Coffee in Washington, right outside the rink where the Capitals play, is like unbelievable with the nitro brews. Okay, so uh, Packbot has one. Uh, Neve in Montreal apparently does it really well, but I think they only do it seasonally. Uh, Edmund uh, is another spot in Montreal that has a good cold brew. Uh, it is my friend Tristan's favorite coffee shop in the world. So uh, you have three places in Montreal whenever you go to the city. Actually, I don't even know where you're even based, a cartoon gym. Well, I don't even, yeah, I don't even know if you're really based there or whatever, but you have three spots there. You, you thought I was going to come up with that question, just be like, I don't know. <laughs> I thought you were like playing hard to get here. I'm like, what is the point of even bringing this up if you don't have an answer for the man? Hey, look, playing hard to get. You know what? I don't have a joke for that. Anyway. 
Move along. <laughs> that's going to do it for Ask CJ. And that's going to do it for the Chris Johnston Show, the Monday edition uh, of our wonderful show. Uh, I know we had to deal with COVID, and I know we kind of went up and down, kind of getting distracted by a few things. That was a little bit by design here because we can't just be too heavy. We're trying to see if we can just bring some light uh, to what's going on now. Uh, but uh, I hope you all enjoyed this episode. And CJ, I hope you enjoyed the uh road that we traveled to get to the end <laughs> yeah we've been traveling that road all of 2021 anyway in, in a lot of ways and honestly I'm, I'm cheering for the deceased man's fantasy team against you this week so <laughs> <laughs> i believe as we are recording he's like five points behind on me and they have terry mclaurin of uh, the washington football team left but i have uh philadelphia defense Devonte smith and darrell henderson he um, he need, he needs a miracle but hey, stranger things have happened in fantasy football. Uh, subscribe to the Chris Johnston Show wherever you listen to shows, whether it's on YouTube. Uh, we get a lot of people who listen on either Spotify or Apple, The Athletic as well. Uh, be sure uh, on the subject of mentioning publications, subscribe to Inside the NHL. Uh, we'll subscribe to the Toronto Star so you can read CJ's columns on Inside the NHL there. And uh, join the Discord. On sdpn.ca, we have a logo for the Discord. Join that, and you'll get to participate in all the fun hijinks. And hey, maybe you'll be there on a day where one of us will be there, and everyone will freak out because, oh my god, CJ is in the Discord. It's very fun when that happens. I'm going to go back during the holidays. I haven't been for a little while, so I got, I'm got. i going to have some time on my hands here in the next few days. We got an episode coming on Thursday. And we'll find a way to have some fun with that amidst what's going on. For CJ, I'm Julian saying so long and peace. The Chris Johnston Show. Inside the game, twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter at ReporterChris. And follow Julian McKenzie at JK McKenzie.